Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tables with your host, Rob Bradley. Episode two. Wow, here Woo! we go. Eh? I will never get tired of that intro. I could listen to that all day, every day. Thanks, man. Just saying. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's funny when I listen to it, I, it just reminds me of my grandfather. I'm like, am I, am I doing an impression of my grandfather? <laughs> I feel like I would like to wake up to an intro like that, but with my own name. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the wake up. Call. Welcome to Tuesday <laughs> exactly. with your host, Damien. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rob, you can make a living just recording that for people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I think with Alexa, maybe you could you could have that done for you. That would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd love that shit. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us again for our second episode of Tales from the Tables. Pleasure. Yes, good to be here. Good to have you guys, JC and James, my co-hosts, and of course our special guest, Damien. Hi, Damien. How Woo! you doing? Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Damien. It's great to have you with us. Damien is actually one of our professional dungeon masters based in the northeast of England in a small little town called Scunthorpe. Correct. Yes. You've either heard of that name or you have no idea where it is in the country. <laughs> I'm the latter. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of Very it. Very small place in the grand scheme of things. It sounds lovely. I'm picturing a cottage and removed Cotswolds-esque. Yeah. Scunthorpe's actually a really famous city in the northeast of England. It has one of the largest uh, steelworks in the country. Isn't that right, David? Steelworks, yeah. The, if you look at an aerial picture of Scunthorpe, it's sort of the town, and then the entire spine of the town is the steelworks. It's like half and half. It's a huge works. And that if it ever does go anywhere, it would be a catastrophic blow to the town. Mm. Yeah. I like that though. The spine of the town makes me think mm. of the town as very biomechanical for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Steel spine. Yes. Yeah, right. It's cool. How are you, James? You good? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, had a had a lovely relaxing weekend. So oh, yeah. what'd you go up to? Mostly. Uh I had a, a lovely trip to, to the London Aquarium. Um and to uh afternoon tea at the Savoy on Sunday. Oh yeah. Uh, combined with the cat cafe visit in between the two to cat you know really it sounds, it sounds it sounds like the sort of thing you might do with a girlfriend on a birthday it, it may have been related to a partner's birthday yeah yeah oh. <laughs> okay. oh. Oh. well did you guys have a nice Amazing. time yeah it was uh, it was it was lovely the weather was was great um the tube was yeah. a bit sweaty but Oh Up god, yeah. Mm, muggy, sweaty tube. I don't miss that at all. I used to live in South London, and getting the tube on the Northern Line was like hell on earth. Every yeah. day going to work, just like I'd be like, you know, I'd be in my shirt and my trousers, all dressed up, nice and nice. I sit on the tube, and then I get into work, like literally drenched. Yeah, yep. stinking, just like oh god, it was just oh, it's all so the way cool. through the jacket. Yeah, that's that's yeah, always the best. The yeah, just the worst. Well, then, well, then the, on the way home, you get stuck in between some guy's armpit on the way back. You're just like, oh, man. And then, like, some dude's been in, in his office sweating all day, and there you are just, like, slammed right into that. You're like, oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. I had that, the problem where you're, like, up against the tube doors because of the, the round nature of them and because of how tall I am. I was hunched, sort of crooked, like, 
uh, a horrible hunchback for most of the journeys uh, that yeah. uh, I made. <laughs> At six foot two, I can relate, but thankfully, I, I very rarely have to deal with anything like the chew being a rural northerner. Yeah. Right, right, true. It's yeah. open skies for you. I'm back in New York, which means we have the lovely MTA, which means it's slightly less tube-shaped, needless to say, but we still have the armpit problem all the time. As a matter of fact, I'm normally the armpit guy because I'm pretty tall myself. I'm also 6'2", so I'm hanging from the from the bars, and then there's somebody I'm just like, oh, come here, you've had a long day. Rest up against my breast. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Oh, enjoy oh. this. <laughs> <laughs> How how is New York at the moment? Is it nice and sunny? Uh, also very muggy, believe it or not. Um, oh, really? But it's all right. We're we're hanging in there. We, the the haze of a couple of weeks ago has officially gone. Um, the lingering effects have not. So if the voice if my voice sounds a little bit croaky today, I apologize for that. That's still lingering effects of that weird haze. If for those of you listening at home who don't know, we had these wildfires up in. Um, basically the southern border of Canada that drifted down and made the atmosphere denser as the smoke passed. And thus we got the really bad, this sort of like yellowish reddish um, haze effectively that covered all of New York and, and the tri-state area and a lot of that area. And people were taking pictures of it and we're like, hashtag no filter. <laughs> it looks like sepia without a filter. And it was honestly, it was like walking into a set of, I don't know, cyberpunk, you know, 2077 or, or a Blade Runner 2049 because everything just looked like garbage. It was horrible. And you could taste it. You could actually oh. taste and smell like the sulfites in the atmosphere. It was really bad. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty bad. Yeah. 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 Um, so that that stayed with us for only a few days, but everybody who was sick kind of got exacerbated by it, and everybody who wasn't sick started to feel like they were getting sick. So it was pretty gross. Well, thank God people have got face masks knocking around for the past few years. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah, sure they, they came everyone back out. Them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I'm not as see that's the that's the problem with New York. Not as many as you think. You were hoping for more, but New Yorkers can be really dumb and stubborn sometimes. I love my state. Don't don't get me wrong. Don't at me. Thanks for. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a mix. It was a mix. So we saw more masks out than than we had been recently. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's uh, yeah. For some reason, we we just we are just not sort of set up in the UK for this kind of heat at all. As soon as it gets up to like twenty, it's like uh oh, everything's mm -hmm. like like my office, for example. We came in, my brother and I came in here over the weekend because he came to visit and uh, came to show him my office, and he was like, "Oh my god, it's so hot!" And it is literally so hot. And the, of course, doing the podcast, you can't have the windows open, you can't have your fans on. Yep. And I, I am literally, I've got like, I'm wearing a t-shirt, I've got my shorts on. And I'm just like, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pretty sweaty here. Yeah, yeah. It's, Ridiculous. You, very, you very quickly learn that recording anything on a mic in a controlled environment over the summer in a non-central AC room is murder. I had to lock myself in a closet for almost an entire summer to record an audiobook, And it was I was, I, I'm going to be honest, I was shirtless most of the time, usually in barely any shorts, and I was not as good looking as James shirtless. So it was, it was not a pretty picture, but can I still uh, know I the, the name of the audiobook? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so actually, this is one of the coolest projects I think I've ever worked on because it was an educational textbook, but not in a regular textbook form. It was told as a novel from the perspective of an individual who, a fantastic individual, sort of a fantasy individual who survived uh, hundreds of years through like a curse that he had inherited from early Native Americans. Um, and it's honestly very, very cool. It was, it's actually a textbook. It's meant to be published and or, or rather brought to uh, classrooms and read in classrooms. And I was doing the audiobook version of it for those who obviously didn't have access to, um, you know, the funds to buy the pages and needed to take it home to listen to it on audiobook or whatever. Um, but it was all told through this one character who kind of lives through the many different ages of the history of America up until the start of the 20th century and um, meets all these fantastic people. So it's called... Um, oof, I'm forgetting what it's actually called. Um, I'll, I'll let you know when I remember it, but it is, uh, by Midgard education publishing. And it was a lot of fun to record because you had to be, I guess like 30 different historical characters. I was like, what would Ben Franklin have sounded like? And, oh, okay. What would, um, you know, Mark Twain have sounded like and all this other stuff. And I had to do historical research into what people sounded like at the time. And then there was also a lot of, uh, it's, it's a very sort of modern history book. So there was a lot of, um, you know, fresh takes on things like how Columbus was horrible and how the natives were oppressed and things like that. So there was a lot of Native American uh, and NPCs, I'm calling them, a lot of characters that aren't necessarily Europeans. So that was a lot of fun to voice as well. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for for going on and on, but about it. But no, it that's, that's 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 cool. That's absolutely cool. So obviously, because of being a bit of professional voice artist as you are, that obviously lends itself great to D and D as well, of course, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, at least I try. <laughs> that is why Ben Depends Franklin on the day. appears at every one of JC's games. That's right. That's right. He's my recurring NPC. No, uh, no, I made it worse for myself. I have a recurring NPC called Jenny. She's based right. on like the Jenny Green Teeth myth, um, but uh, she's basically this hag-like person, but is always out to help the party, but asks weird favors of them, um, and she kind of is my only reality traveling NPC. So if I have a player in two different campaigns, she'll look and obviously with two different characters, but she'll look at that character and be like, don't I know you from somewhere? I can't quite place my finger on it, but I think I do. Things like that. That's pretty cool. That's amazing, pretty cool. really, but amazing you could do all those voices. Damien, have you done much um, work professionally as a voiceover artist? Um, only really in this, not not more professionally than, than playing D&D. Um, I would, I would love it, man. That would be, that'd be a dream come true. But yeah, I, I, I do like to throw voices and accents and things into my games. Um, right. Yeah. Sound yeah, effects. Well, well, I've had some fantastic feedback about you actually with regards to your okay. voice work, um, which led me to believe that you'd been, you'd had a bit more sort of work outside of Rodark from doing it. But uh, yeah, I believe Jan, Jan once sent me a really lovely email saying about how great, how great your voices were into center Davinus. he said you're an amazing voice artist super yeah super super great player um yeah had said similar things to to me privately in is that too. is that jan mcmanus yes yeah, yeah i love jan yeah. i had i had him for um roll dark fast he was That's, great <laughs> yeah 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 good guy good guy so before we dive into the interview with damien gotta do a bit of roll dark housekeeping those listeners who have no idea what roll is Roldark is a community of role players and professional dungeon masters 
that run paid for games of Dungeons and Dragons and other popular role playing games. We have over 30 professional dungeon masters on our books covering the UK and the US, and over 150 active players and just over 350 Discord members. Currently, there are 19 active online games a week, some of which are currently looking for new players. And two new games, The Creeping Dread on the 16th of July and The Bandit King on the 30th of July, are also looking for new players. And if you are interested, you can find the links for those in the description below. As well as public games online that you, as a solo player, can join, make new friends and engulf yourself in the role-playing community, we also offer private hire games for you and your family and friends. From children's birthday parties to corporate let-your-hair-down team bonding events, Roldark's catered service has something for you. Our Discord is most certainly the beaten heart of Roldark, and we welcome anyone to join it. You don't need to be in one of our games to be a member of our community. An invitation link can also be found in the description below. Our Patreon launched last week, so if you'd like to show us some love in the form of regular cash-filled fairy drops, fill your boots. Starting from as low as £3.50 per month, you can give back to the Roldark community and contribute to making our events the stuff of legend. As a thank you, there's a whole load perks for you to enjoy, from monthly Roldark Randoms surprise dice sets sent directly to your door, to free tickets to online games and in-person events. You show us some love, and we'll give it back to you tenfold. Speaking of in-person events, we have the GM Academy coming up in July. We still have tickets for that. It will be held at the prestigious Oxford University Examination Halls on Friday the 28th of July. Doors open at 9.15am. Expect to learn all manner of game master tools from acting and voice artistry to game prep and how to even spice up your games with a dash of horror. The day will have talks in the morning and in the afternoon will be filled with workshops and gaming tables for you to enjoy and play. Then in November, we have the next Roldark Fest. This all-day immersive roleplay event has you arrive cosplayed as your character, where you'll take part in a fully immersive story as you sit, roll dice, and enjoy the acted-out cutscenes from professional actors. The last one we did in April was a hoot and sold out in the first three months, so be sure to grab your ticket quickity-quick before this one sells out too. November 25th, Basketball Hall, Herefordshire. Details in the description below. Now we have James with the Dungeon Digest. Yes, so uh, this week's uh, tabletop RPG news. Um, there's a lot. Um, so Great. Saturday the 24th was uh, free um, RPG day. Uh, so there was a lot of new releases or like sneak peeks releases and quick start um, guides to new games um, from some pretty big franchises. So there's an Avatar, The Last Airbender, which I'll, I'll come on to in a little bit. Um, I own that. Ah, ah, I'm so excited to try it. So they released, yeah. They re so they released a quick start guide for that on um, on Saturday. Uh, the animation, the animation was excellent. The film, not so great. What we what don't film? We don't what talk are, about the live action film. There's no film. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. The film was horrific. <laughs> and I, horrific. I, I like I like M Night, but he, he and he did direct the film that doesn't exist. That's that's I'm, I'm getting that right. Yep. 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 Yeah. Okay. I'm sure he's more than happy to pretend that didn't happen yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, so there is an, an RPG that's being released called Heckin' Good Doggos that uh, people are pretty buzzed about, um, which right. is a very, very <laughs> slim 33-page um, uh, RPG book that uses a deck of cards and just a handful of six-sided dice. Uh, and yeah, you roleplay as a dog, uh, getting up to Lassie-like adventures. Uh, presumably, I've not had a chance to look uh, look through it yet, but um, everyone seems very positive about it. Um, so yeah, uh, the full game is on Drive Through RPG now as well. 
Um, so that cool. that should be cool. Yeah, I, I can imagine like if you like Homeward Bound <laughs> and <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. That's great. Airbud. Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch. I used to watch one years ago. It was on TV. It was on like during the day. Um, what was it called? I remember the theme. I remember the theme tune. I remember the theme tune. It's like what did it sound like? There's a voice that keeps on calling me. It's down the road. It's where I'll always be. And every stop I make, I make a new friend. Oh, what's it called? I don't. Okay, I well, it doesn't sound like Paw Patrol, so I feel like. On the tip of my tongue, it's like. <laughs> the littlest. Oh, oh, I can't remember. Although, if you've got little hopefully, ones. So, hopefully, somebody, somebody listening to this might know. If you do know, drop me an email info at rawduck.co.uk. Let us know the name of that TV show. It's about a dog. <laughs> That used to go from like family. We'll get a shout family. out on our next episode and uh, yeah, an NPC totally. name. Totally. Misery. Yeah. <laughs> Put me out my misery. I'm literally going to be like, like laying in bed with my eyes wide open all night, be like, what the hell was the name of that damn TV show about that dog? Yeah. Amazing. That'd be me. Sorry, James, carry on. No, yeah. So, um, yeah. So the Avatar The Last Airbender uh, RPG mm. was the next, next biggest one. Um, which apparently did something crazy, like nine point five million dollars in a in a Kickstarter to get it going. So really, oh, yeah, hey man, uh, we're we're it's a, a popular we're thing. A good community, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised to be honest. They, it's pretty cool. Like the abilities of the of the Airbender, like the, was it Airbender, Firebender? Then you've got like Waterbender and Earthbender. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Avatar yeah, can do all of them. Yep. So sick. No small amount of influence on some of the monk classes, I think, in D and D as well. Yeah, yeah, they they tried with way of the four elements and it didn't quite make it, but they fixed it a little bit with with something that they released in Tasha's, I think. Yeah, but yeah, so they released a quick start. They know that's fine. Um, They released a quick start guide with um, some pre-generated characters as well, so it was very quick and easy to to get into it. Um, I don't know really enough about the law to 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 judge it, but I'm sure. Uh, everyone who's packed the Kickstarter is probably super into it already. So, oh yeah, I imagine one of us will run it at, at some point here at Roldark. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, I own it. I have a whole box set that actually one of my former players gifted me for Christmas. Um, shout out to Costas, thanks, my man. Um, so he, yeah, yeah, I have this whole set, and I have like the mat and the cards that go with it. I, I need to try it out. I just oh, haven't got had a chance to get a group. Oh, together. so it's like a whole yeah. set. There's like well, stuff. I got like this, yeah, it was like a 25-pound box in the mail with all wow, of this stuff in it and special dice for it and everything. So I need What to, a I great need to gift. It yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for boxes with stuff in. So Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> boxes, me too. Things. Just got so many Beadle and Grimm mm. campaign things saved. And then I just longingly look at them and realize, oh, no, I do need to eat this month, so I can't purchase yeah, right. any of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That- that Amazon, that Amazon gray like uh, transit van might as well be Santa's sleigh. You know I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Just coming oh, on that's... down the street, I'm like, I'm like, still at the door. I'm like, is he nearly here? Is he nearly here? Oh, we <laughs> definitely I'm won't like, talk checking. about the Amazon basket graveyard where things are added. Like, oh, I love that. Looks interesting. We'll add that to save, save to later. Yeah, uh, I do that. Oh, love it. <laughs> love it. I received a box today for all of you Warhammer fans. You'll know what it is. Oh Ooh. yeah. Oh yeah. Leviathan. Love they're, they're, they're yeah, made of pretty cool. yeah <laughs> um yeah so other than that there is um so they released the rules uh for actum cthulhu uh so if ah, you're nice. more of like a pulp cthulhu game they released like a quick start guide to for that yeah. um and my personal favorite something that i really need to get on to is is root the role-playing game so root is a board game you're um, kidding 
they released uh, yeah. a root rpg oh my yeah. god of uh, course they did okay so imagine, <laughs> so imagine for a moment i have no idea what root is oh yeah, yeah. so it's because I, I don't it's sort of like uh a uneven strategy like war strategy game with woodland critters so there's different factions there's cats birds uh mice which is sort of the general wood and then there is uh a faction where you just play as a raccoon who just goes around just the one raccoon so so it's deceptively cute looking you look at right. it from afar and you're like oh is look it? at this art it's a game about woodland creatures look at all the little painted scenes and it's got beautiful <laughs> watercolors and whatnot and then you buy it and you unfold it and you lay it out on the table and you're like i need four hours to learn how these game of thrones-esque fucking factions all operate and feel about each other and how they're controlling the economy of this sector of the woodlands it's yeah, so it's, good uh, it's a deceptively small cool. box as well you know, yeah you look at it, it doesn't like, even look that big it's not that big it's cute animals how this it can't be too complicated again then you're opening it and you start reading the faction rules for the the eerie the bird faction and you're like mm -hmm. okay i'm gonna need a drink and snacks <laughs> we're gonna come back to this i've got and about six hours to learn and six hours mm -hmm. to play sounds a little bit like watership down how that mm -hmm. how that tricked oh, how wow. that trick yeah that tricked me i got tricked by that cartoon i was like oh my grandma's like oh look there's a cartoon on about rabbits come on boys sit down and watch it we're like, we're like yeah okay, we'll sit down and watch it granny sit down start watching this cartoon about rabbits we're like okay uh, what are they talking about? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, ah, who's that uh, guy? Uh, uh, oh, what's happened? He's, de he's <laughs> dead. He's dead. <laughs> like my God. I was like, I was like, what the hell is this? Oh, oh God, I was traumatized. To generation, I think. Between that and the animals of Farthing Wood, uh, absolutely traumatizing. Oh, the animals of Farthing Wood is. Like by, the end, by the end of the animals of Farthing Wood, there was like one character who had survived from the start. Jeez. You're kidding. You're kidding. What, what was yeah. with that generation trying to like traumatize children? What? <laughs> the realities uh, of life. Uh, there so. you go. It's... Through cartoons. It's tough out there. Here's a cartoon <laughs> that shows you how tough it yep. is. Always cute and lovely animals and stuff. It's like, oh, God. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think. No, I think. To be fair, I think Root is a little bit more Secret of Nim-esque than Watership Down-esque. It's great. Anyway, I, I'm not, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised by the fact that there is now an RPG for it. No, well, there's there's so many expansions for it. Eventually, they were going to like run out of those. Like, okay, they've added otters and hedgehogs or something, and God mm -hmm. knows what else. So, yeah, I think it might be otters, beavers, something like that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, oh. the next logical step is to create an RPG where you, I don't know, play as one of the, a member of one of the factions and, and wander yep. around. Didn't didn't they release? There was a Kickstarter project a while back that was very similar um, by one of those major um, like YouTubers. Um, I forget exactly what it was called, but I think it had the word wood in it as well. Um, you guys never heard of this where you could basically play like a raven folk or you could play as uh, you know oh i do know the one you mean creatures, um, right yeah and i know i had a big raven on the cover um I, it'll it'll come to me but um, yeah, that looks really interesting too yeah oh anyway. it's, it's gonna it's gonna irritate me the fact that i cannot remember it <laughs> yeah, we, we're gonna know. need to hire a fact checker <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> can we can we get to this yeah
Uh, <laughs> oh, I know I've talked about it with other DMs as well. Um, yes, so they've uh, uh, for free as well at uh, the weekend. A load of one shots got released for some big RPGs. So there's a Taste of the Moon for Vampire the, the Masquerade. Um, <laughs> there was a Cobra Confusion for the G.I. Joe role playing game. There's a G.I. Um, Joe role playing game. Well, G.I. Joe and Transformers role playing game. game. There's a crossover G.I. Joe Transformers one. So that could be. So you could be a G.I. Joe in Transformers land. Yeah, Cobra Con. Cobra and uh, Decepticon combined. Oh my God. In this vein, I've been dying to get my hands on the Power Rangers role playing game. Oh man. Is a Power Rangers one as well? Yeah. What is going on? I feel don't like tell there's, don't, there's don't something tell me there's a He-Man. Everything. There's not a he, there's not a He-Man one, is there? There's no He-Man. There's got there's got to oh, be. Will yeah. be. I'm not sure there's a He-Man yeah. one. Oh my god. <laughs> I need to, I need I need to like start like, you know, looking around for these things cuz I'm clearly not I'm, I'm just I just for some reason I'm just like embedded in D&D. I need to like yeah. pull myself away from D&D and go, okay, so where 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 are sure, what sure options are able to? So I've got June. I've got June because I love June. I've, I've got, got June nice. as well. Yeah. Yeah, me not too. Played, June not good? played it yet, though. Not played it I've, yet. No, I've not played it yet. I need to do I need to run the <laughs> intro adventure because I have found a lot of the rules very confusing in June. It's the same, it's the same rules as the Star Trek one, isn't it, Damien? Basically, yeah, they've stripped out a lot of the combat. It, they treat combat as sort of like dealing with assets. So it's very, mm. very stripped down and simple. Like you can kill a low-level NPC just by basically rolling a high number on a dice. There's no hit points or anything like that. It's just oh, wow. if you roll high, it's dead. Um, so they uh, and they treat it, that is exactly the same if you're fighting, for example, a a rogue agent on Arakeen versus moving an entire uh, squadron of troops, Sardaukar troops, across a landscape of uh, Arrakis. It, oh. it plays the exact same way to have wow. this kind of micro and macro view of everything. It's it's quite interesting. I've, I've, I've barely had chance to do anything with it myself, but I'm keen, very keen to get in. The only thing, my only my only criticism with it is that you have to build your own house or use one of, you can't, I don't think you can be like, because I would love to be the emperor and have the Sadakam troops and be like, yeah. I'm going to be like, yeah, we're going to take over. We're gonna, you know, we're going to go and like, you know, actually like mess up poor Trades shit and just like get in there. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really like, Bring that, bring a tradies down. You know, like they're just they're just irritating, aren't they? The tradies, mm. just irritating do-gooders. You know, they like get the Harkonnens involved. Be like, come on, or Harkonnens. I always pronounce it Harkonnens because that's what they call it in the original film. But mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like that just sounds better, Harkonnen. Harkonnen sounds so much more cooler, doesn't it? I think I'm yeah. Harkonnen. Not Harkonnen, but then I say Sco, not Scone. So what do I Sco, not Scone. Uh, uh, yeah, one of them. Yeah. Yeah. One of them. The Yank will now <laughs> exclude himself from the rest of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anything else to add, James? Uh, yeah. So the new uh, Fandelver expansion has got a, a bit more. They've like released a proper detailed breakdown. Well, I say detailed, like a, a blurb for it um, with some extra information. So there is apparently, they've confirmed there is a bigger evil lurking underneath Fandelva. Um, it's going to integrate mm. into the uh, into the main uh, or the standard. It has to Fandelver do with the expansion. obelisks, right? That's, that's yes. the whole thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. These obelisks yeah, we touched on that last week. cropping yeah. up, don't they? Eh? Yeah. Keep cropping have, you no- have you noticed the obelisks, Damon? I have, yes. Having uh, I've run uh, Tomb of Annihilation to its completion uh, with yep. my, my home game. Uh, it's out there at the front, my... right? In front of the real entrance. Yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. Um, first and last thing you see should you survive that tomb. 
and uh yeah icewind dale uh, i'm running of course we'll probably talk a bit more mm. about that shortly but we will. i've noticed nice. them i've seen them around yes well oh, okay the only other thing i've got is that there has been a new um dnd ad released in japan um where oh, they God. have because they are re-releasing i believe fandelver and a couple of other books or adventures uh with a new art style with this anime uh art style to the adventures with oh. some um, oh cool I, oh, I like that so there's like a video trailer that's sort of like the start of uh, of an anime um as an advert and the art the artwork's great um yeah but it is it looks it looks that very sounds cool. cool okay um so yeah. yes so they're doing oh they've done a localized version of dragons of uh Stormwreck um star set and they're doing and right. Elva is the next one um so yeah because apparently D not huge in Japan as an RPG. Um, even um, Call of Cthulhu is bigger over there than wow. the Dragons. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that they were trying to make a big marketing push last year. They released that uh, D &D, like trailer for D&D &D, and it was like, what, five minutes long or something like that and it was pretty intense. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me they're trying to capture more of that market. I'm honestly so surprised D&D &D isn't big in Japan. Uh, of all the franchises I would have imagined would be the most popular over there, that Cthulhu surprised yeah. me. Yeah, I I hate to say this, it doesn't surprise me that much. Does, it doesn't surprise doesn't surprise me either because they've got a thing about big monsters, haven't they? They love uh, tentacles <laughs> as well. I didn't say it. <laughs> the, the hand okay. gesture was thankfully hey, spared for the audio. What hand gesture? You don't there's, know. <laughs> there's, some, there's some freaky, there's some freaky perversion going on in Japan, isn't there? Like, my, I've never been there. My brother, my brother's been. Have you, have you guys been to Japan? No. No. I'm exactly. dying to go. I will. I'm. I'm making. That's my next big stop. I think. My uh, my twin brother James, he um he when we were when we were sixteen and uh, well actually no I think we were younger actually I think we were fifteen we were in the careers library at our school once and he was obsessed with Japan he always wanted to go and he always wanted to do it and there was a careers thing on the thing saying like um you know uh, supply this like uh, essay and you could like go as an exchange student to Japan and my brother my brother applied for it he got as far as going to London to have like the final interview but didn't make it mm -hmm. because he wasn't because he wasn't old enough because apparently it was for like people that were going into oh. the sixth form. Fast forward, uh, fast forward 20 years later, he builds a company that is a film festival company all over the world. And he picks right. Tokyo as one of the locations and has now been there several times over like the cast. Like, there last, there you go. If, if they don't let you it. in one way, yeah. make your own way. All his expectations of what it was going to be like were like nothing that he expected. He said he, he's like, wow. he, said, he stepped, stepped foot off the plane. He had to look back at the plane to make sure it wasn't a spaceship. <laughs> He's like, so where the hell am I? That's so cool. I I am, yeah, I, I feel like I'm very immersed in a lot of Japanese culture a lot. I love anime, but I also do a Japanese game show as an improv show, uh, two, three, sometimes four times a week um, here in New York. And we are going to be going to, well, we're already in Chicago and we're going to be featured this year in uh, Edinburgh Fringe. So that's going to be super exciting. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're liking this part of it and you find yourself listening up and you're going to Fringe, come come check it out. I'll plug the show. Do you, any more, do you have any more details? What's it called? It's called Batsu, which means punishment or penalty in Japanese. Um, and it's a, basically it's whose line is it anyway style improv comedy meets Japanese game show. So there's four warriors that participate, improvisers, and when they and they are participating in a number of improv games and they do a bit of uh, you know jokes as well quick, quick rounds of jokes 
And if they're ever funny or they, or they're not funny and they mess up or for whatever reason, they happen to not win that improv game, they get punished in usually ridiculous ways. A giant chicken will show up and crack an egg over their heads, or they'll have to eat sushi off of a really hairy guy. You know, that style of game show. comedy. So yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, definitely sometimes with RPGs and and D and D in there somewhere. I'm sure if you, if you look hard enough. (laughs) So how often do you have sushi eaten off you, JC? Uh, <clears throat> at least twice a week. Wow! But I'm also yeah. the guy doing the I'm improv and sometimes having to eat the sushi. So, yeah. I have a I have a story about that, but totally inappropriate for this. Okay. Join us for the second recording. <laughs> I feel like Tales I have... <laughs> Undertales from the table. <laughs> yeah. Tales from under the table. Yeah. Tales <laughs> from the underdark. Sounds yeah. more yeah. like. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So, JC, do you have um, you have some updates from our community, right? I do, I do. So, since this is in fact not tales from under the table, but tales from the table, um, we have had some DMs uh, tell us a little bit. Roll dark DMs tell us a little bit about some fun things that have been going on in their games and in their world. Uh, for instance, this one comes from Alex Maud, an excellent GM who's currently running a campaign called. Ravnica, the second contingency. Those of you who are familiar with the Ravnica MTG setting, you'll know all about that. Um, He says, this week, one of my players got arrested and is now being held indefinitely and has a completely new character he's going to bring in, but had a very cool moment of ripping out of his handcuffs and saying, your jewelry broke. Uh, amazing great great line great line well done player another highlight from fairly recently includes also from alex mod's uh, game a player getting her lower leg bitten off by a sharktopus and the artificer <laughs> artificer fashioning a new limb for her from an oar and carving a fish onto it in honor of her aquatic nature very cool we were talking about that last episode weren't we yeah, imagine right. going to australia and not getting here for and getting yeah. a bite but not from a shark Bonkers. A shark to puss I'd accept is close enough I, to we, a shark. We talked about both things. Yeah, there we go. Both yeah, shark to puss. Yeah. <clears throat> Got to watch out for them shark to pusses. Crikey. Anywho, um, we have a little bit more. Uh, Richard Mortimer shares this one. It's uh, from his campaign, The Heart of Everything, which um, sounds really, really cool. The professor and her companions, Bella, Lord Landon, and Ash, embark on a mission to find Jinx, a tabaxi vendor who possesses a part of a magical seal. Jinx is imprisoned, but is aided by Ash in escaping. In the jungle, a conflict between two tabaxi tribes escalates due to Nagpa's interference, resulting in the release of a dangerous creature called the Tarask, which I think we're all pretty familiar with. Our heroes arrive in time to help and receive the gratitude of the Tabaxi clan. While luring the Tarask back to its cave, they encounter Nagpa, who manages to escape. The Tabaxi shaman successfully seals the cave, and the professor now focuses on locating the remaining Nagpa. Very cool. This summary, however, glosses over the fact that the party had drawn on their historical knowledge of the Battle of Pelusium, where the Persians had taken advantage of cats being held as sacred by the Egyptians. So each Persian soldier was equipped with a cat, you know, your standard issue army cat, giving the Egyptians no option but to surrender. As they initially approached the Tabaxi settlement, they had gone to great lengths to secure a live fish each. 
And when Richard says fish, it turns out in the 17th century, the Catholic Church declared beavers to be a type of fish. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. interesting <laughs> submission. <laughs> Hell of a historical deep dive. For yeah, right. Seriously. And also well, uh, a little bit more about the Catholic Church that I didn't know, but doesn't surprise me, I suppose. <laughs> so... Um, on that note, uh, I've got plenty of stories to share as well, but I do want to share some uh, fun community updates out of my games. For instance, Roland will be joining the highly talented and exceptional Roldark Game Master who goes by the mysterious name of Face. Ooh. Roland joins The Unbroken, which is a game that will has been going on for three years now. The players are currently at level 16 and in around three weeks from now, We'll be hitting level 17 that's wow. assuming of course i think from this obviously is from face but that's assuming of course that everything goes according to plan according <laughs> to faces plans exactly and from what i understand faces plans never go according to plan so <laughs> yeah right. um then there's one more richard joins the talented voice artist and master of role-playing games roll dark game master mike dack with his highly praised and action-packed battle-oriented game only the dead may hunger yeah, I've heard some good things about that game. Apparently, it's nice. all very, very much battle focused, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, mm. Defending a bastion on this island and stuff it sounds pretty intense. Nice. Apparently, yeah. with undead, I take it being a big thing. Yeah, most likely. Mm. <laughs> it's impossible it's to say based on the name alone, though. Um, we need more information. Um, yeah, 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 only the dead may <laughs> hunger. Mm. Hey, man, listen, we don't, we don't know. Maybe it's um, sharktopuses. Invading, all right. Undead sharktopuses. Undead sharktopuses. Is it sharktopuses or is it sharktopi? Sharktopuses. So it has to be because I I get into this debate all the time. Um, It's about the etymology of the word octopus. It's actually it's not the same origins that you would add an i to pluralize. It is in fact s e s as the plural. So when you the it's sort of kind of entered the common lexicon to say octopi, but that's only because that's technically a mistake and a lot of people do it. Right. In truth, the original etymology is octopuses. There you have it. I like oh, that you've heard a conversation enough to yeah. be able to clarify that for people. You'd be surprised how many times I talked about I talk about octopuses on a weekly basis. I don't know why. <laughs> it might have something to do with the fact that we run mind player campaigns, but some kind of sign. Really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I spent I spent a lot of time with the aquarium this weekend going, oh, that would be that's a what that that's a horrible thing to its prey. <laughs> I, should, I should steal that. <clears throat> were, you, were, you, yeah. were you assigned were you assigning stat blocks as you were going around yeah just oh that looks that looks very strong um that was got such, an ac of 16 such, you'd have to do like uh like a stats in water stats out of water type thing i feel dexterity wise in water huge out of mm. water very very low mm. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah very cool yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that. And I I have to talk about, I have to add my own little community update, a very fun little thing that happened over this weekend. I oh, was yeah? running a game of Waterdeep Dragon Heist for some players. And uh, early on in this campaign, we're not that far in. Obviously, the campaign is relatively short, but we're only playing on a monthly basis. So this happened already about half a year ago, but only about in the second or third um, and very, very minor spoilers in case you want to tune out just for a minute here to um, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. So at one point, the party encountered 
a mind flare. I swear to God, not all my stories are, are about uh, mind flares. It is actually cool. built into the module. I didn't add it myself. And according to how it's written, the mind flare sort of flees through a teleportation circle or a portal, but leaves behind an intellect devourer to sort of slow the party down so that he can escape. Nice. And as all parties do, rather than seeing an abominable creature of uh, flesh and for those of you who don't know what an intellect devourer is it's basically a brain on puppy legs um mm. it's very bizarre and it has this horrid it, it's deceptively simple looking um it does feature in the latest dungeons and dragons movie sorry just for fun. um but it has this horrid ability where it can reduce your intelligence which is a callback to how old monsters used to work you know in previous editions of DD, they used to directly affect your ability scores and then they can in fact magically consume your brain gaining all of your knowledge memories and personality traits etc and teleport into your head and basically oh. puppeteer you oh and cool. you, so you might be talking to an intellect devourer and not know that it's actually an intellect devourer um <laughs> So it's a really messed up creature and it's a little experiment of the mind flayers. But the party, being the party, especially one character, <clears throat> looking at you, Theron, um, <laughs> manages to roll a series of checks to try and convince this thing to be its friend. And I always let the dice tell the story if I can. I, of course, I built a framework around it, but... I was like, there's no way I'm going to make the DC very, very difficult. This is a guy who has nothing to do with abominations. He's not, he's not like a scholar. He doesn't know anything about them. He's just some rogue with an inkling that this might work out. And two nat twenties later, I'm realizing that they've already given him a name and are petting him and then calling him Arnold because we're <laughs> messing around with Arnold voices. And we decided that because it can uh, speak telepathically, when it does, his voice comes through as Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it's like, wow, Theron, thanks. This is great. I love being here and helping you guys. So um, they've been coming around quick with... Disclaimer, quick disclaimer, that was JC doing Arnold That is me. We did not actually hire Arnold to record. No, that, that's, how, that's how good JC is, his impressions. <laughs> there you go. Just, just want to make sure you're all aware that's how good he is well thank sorry. you sorry. Um, sorry. no 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 <laughs> you're good um there so yeah now several sessions later the shenanigans continue they've been trying to read to it every day to try and help feed its intellect because it gets hungry and wants to eat more humanoid brains but instead he's buying like children's books from the local bookstore wow. and reading these books to try and feed its intellect hunger um and I'll recently this this last episode uh they get into this fight with this um this assassin who was sent from the guild that they had attacked a sort of criminal underworld guild and they're fighting this assassin in the streets and the paladin our half-orc paladin picks up arnold off of the ground hucks it yeets it over to the rooftop where the assassin was sort of sniping them from and lets the intellect devourer sort of do its thing so now they have this high-powered assassin with arnold living inside her head going around and helping them on their adventure and i'm like oh for god's sake 
Oh, now, now I've completely imbalanced the game. What uh, am I going to do? <laughs> does the assassin speak with the Arnold voice, or is it? Already... It does. Yeah. So, so I didn't want it to just sort of adopt the assassin's voice. She was just a sort of run of the mill, like, oh, "You, you will pay for the crimes that you've done against my Lord and Master Xanathar." And now it's it's a little bit of a combo of that when she speaks and of Arnold's actual voice. It's like, now you will pay for the crimes that you have committed against our Lord and Savior Xanathar. Wait, I don't give a crap about Xanathar. I'm with you guys. Let's do this. <laughs> very ridiculous. It's, oh, it's, man. Yeah. So Brilliant. thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, my community sweet. update. <laughs> wow. Great. Great stuff. So, um, yeah, as you obviously guys are listening or aware, we've got a very special guest of us today, Damien. Yay! Hello, hey, Damien. So, um, so Damien is currently running two campaigns, two rather polarizing campaigns, I have to say. Very uh, different, yeah. Icewind Dale and Descent into Avernus. Yes. You couldn't really get to, you know, one's literally hot, the other one's literally freezing cold. Freezing. Mm. But but both uh, both uh, from what I can imagine, I I, I ran um, Descent into Avernus, uh, well probably about before the pandemic. But I only got like about we never actually got we never went to we never went to hell. We were literally like I like, sat in on one of those sessions. That was oh, yes, a fun you, time. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. That, was when we, that was when you first joined us, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And uh, yeah, so the 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 actuals we never we never got into hell. But from what I gathered, it was quite dark place because everyone's everyone's lawful evil in it aren't they yep. it can be yeah it's it's funny it can be it, as with all D D. um it can be a very dark story and a dark place with lots of moral ambiguity and and evil deeds and, and grim characters and descriptions of, of acts of horror and violence but just like anything it's it's sprinkled with these little motes of humor and and joy and and uh light characters and things just to keep that balance lulu oh yes oh yeah the, the, the elephant isn't it the little elephant yeah, so, the yeah. elephant yeah. yeah yeah uh spoil i guess we should say spoiler spoiler spoilers there's no there's no cute little elephant in it it's a, it was a joke <laughs> <laughs> well that's exactly it you, you would never imagine that you look at the front cover of that book and read the description that such a character would exist in it so they do a pretty good job yeah even before you start adding players who will naturally gravitate towards humor and absurdity, yeah. as we may have already heard with some of these community updates. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so yeah, it is, a, it is a dark campaign, um, but it can be just as easily very joyful and hopeful. And if you balance that, it, that's where a lot of the fun comes from. How mm. far are you into it so far? So they are in hell now. Sorry guys. Um, and, they are hey, it's, in, it's in the title of the book if they yeah, didn't yeah. know what they were getting into that's on them <laughs> it is i think everybody goes into that book really hoping that they get that far because it again spoiler alert it does not start there so no. um if you want to get to to avernus you've got to stick with it a little bit um i suppose you could start there if you wanted to with your own reasons but if you run it as book, At like level five basically. Yeah. yeah yeah if you run it as yeah. book you're going to be you're going to be in Baldur's gate for a little while um but okay. we are, um, they've been in hell a little while. Uh, they're at the moment just dealing with a character named Haruman. Um, oh. It's their second encounter with Haruman. Um, <laughs> and that is an amusing tale, to, to be sure. They um, yeah. they made somewhat of a mockery of, indeed, a very dark character, as I alluded to previously. 
they 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 uh, use some very clever spells and some wonderful abilities and role playing to to bring that character to their knees. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, okay, um, cool. Very very cool stuff. Um, so that's where we are. They they are currently desperately trying to seek out some of Lulu's memories to, right. to lead them further on their quest to, to save a beleaguered city. Um, I'll try and keep some spoilers out of the out of the story, mm. but. Yeah, they're trying to help a city. They're trying to find out through Lulu's memories where they can go to do that. And, and their current lead is is Haraman. So that's that's well, where they okay. are. I, this, I love is... that you have this. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go on, go, go on. I was just gonna. I was gonna say. I love that you have Haraman, who does in in canon have this very tragic story and uh, very well involved. And if you really know how to like pick at the the strings of history and um and the backstory of the module you can really make that character very deep and interesting and i was so excited to do that and i lost it so quickly and it became just another <laughs> character that they couldn't not help but make a little fun of because when we were running it um i i had joked that it sounded a lot like saruman from uh mm. the two towers and you know obviously the lord of the rings trilogy and uh, I, I did a bit where Ian McKellen sort of calls out when he's on the mountain in fellowship against Saruman. He goes, it's Saruman! But instead of doing Saruman, I was like, it's Saruman! Um, and hmm. thus, anytime he appeared to them, all the players would go, it's Saruman! And I was like, God damn it. And then, of course, <laughs> we would break down in laughter and we never got too serious about him. But but it is a fantastic character and a really good story behind him, too. Yeah. Is this the As first is time the main villain? Is this the first time you've run the Descent into Avernus? Uh, it is. Yeah, it is the first time. Um, I, I bought it immediately when it came out and, and read it mm. straight through, and was really eager to run it. And this was this was before joining Roll Dark, and was um, flirting with the idea of having that be our second campaign. I have a home game that's approaching its fifth year now, which wow. started with oh, Tomb wow. of Annihilation, uh, and has gone deep into homebrew territory since they finished that that book and cool. um, they're in the shadow fell right now uh, and having a joyous time of it indeed um shout out to uh, my wife who plays that game with me and, and all my friends and players who are in that game with <laughs> yeah. me my, my sister and godparents to my child hello everyone i know you'll be listening um five, five years is five years that's, yeah. that's dedication yeah, that's a half. long campaign and how, how often do you guys play how often do you guys play you yeah you, you've you've read my mind yet yeah, we've managed pretty well with weekly um wow yeah wow. so they're level 15 now um and we've we've managed it pretty well weekly we've done a really good job of, of doing that and um nice. are you hearing that my players okay five years of weekly play and they're only level 15 i need you to all stop complaining all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah right uh, yeah so <laughs> we we hit the pandemic right at the back end of that book anybody that knows that book will know that the tomb indeed plays a very big part in that story and is a very large chapter um and right as they were about to enter that tomb is when the pandemic hit and we were like hey you know we've done this for so long we can take a break uh, for a week or two while this all uh, well, we head to the Winchester and this yeah. all smooths over. Yeah, uh, and of right. course, we didn't get very, very many weeks in before we were like, ah, chances are this isn't going away. Uh, and that's when we mm. started playing online. And, and uh, for a long time, we, we had more online sessions in our list of games than we did in-person ones by the end yeah. of it. Um, yeah, great. And now we play hybrid. Uh, if, if schedules don't 
uh, don't meet up, then we play online. That frees everybody up a little easier. And then when we can, we play in person. Wow. That, how, how is that to manage, jumping between playing in person and playing online? It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Um, it was a little tricky in the beginning, getting used to everything and, and getting right. used to cutting each other off and things on, online. Because in person, it's, it's much easier to kind of sure. freely bounce off of one another and kind of queue jump, as it were. Um, right. into people's like role-playing sessions where it's a little harder online with volume levels and, and it, the, the audio is a little muddier. And so delays and delays, exactly. tech issues. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's been okay. Um, we've, we've managed pretty well. Uh, we always yes. prefer to be in person, which is pr- hardly a surprise, but yeah. I like, I'm, I'm trying to picture saying if I'm in the middle of a dungeon and suddenly we're going to decide to have you know, a, an online session, then I have to recreate that dungeon in whatever VTT Mm. I'm using. Definitely not foundry. Um, and, (laughs) uh, definitely foundry and, um, and then set up the walls and remember where the tokens were placed and, and make sure their characters health on their sheets on the, in the online game is updated according to their sheets. It sounds like it's, um, a lot of transitional work in that kind of scenario. It would be, but I, I did start doing, um, I started with a, a little a little sort of browser-based uh, one called Albert Rodeo. Um, oh, yeah, I heard about this, actually. started with that even before we went into online play, and everyone had yeah. their phones or tablets, and we actually used the maps that way. So um, they were kind of used yeah, to I, that I heard already. it's actually quite good. I heard it it's is. like um, Roll20 light effectively. Yeah, yeah, way more simple yeah. uh, in terms of options, and I, I believe there's a... a a 2.0 releasing which has got a little more meat on the bones nice. um, okay. but yeah so we were already using it uh, and so i just translated that directly onto the online uh, and Great. so really i didn't have to do all that much extra work thankfully nice nice look at that yeah. and, um, cool. and with regards to doing um so i suppose so i suppose because you, you're running three games a week then aren't you do you yeah. what but the prep must be quite but do you have, do you find that you're doing different types of prep for different types of game in, in terms of how you approach it? Because obviously Icewind Dale is very much, you know, horror focused, all about suspense. So that lends itself to one sort of form of writing, I suppose. And then Descent into Avernus is again, you know, is, is Descent into Avernus. In Avanes your face, kind of, horror yeah, and yeah, action yeah, and yeah, Mad yeah. Max. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Quite extreme. And then, and then with your homebrew game, does that... Is it kind of like the mixture of the two, would you say, or is there something different? Or? Well, they're in the Shadowfell right now, as I mentioned, so it's mm. it's horror all the way. Um, they are they're in a, another dungeon now, uh, deep in the uh, in the Shadowfell, looking looking for a Skull mm. Lord. Um, and you do? I love Skull Lords. I know Rob, you like Skull Lords. You mentioned yeah, that um, once. I, <laughs> I I've had a little fun with with this particular one, so um, enjoy that, guys. When you get there, it's going to be a little different. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, the, it, that's a lot of horror too. So I kind of I'm doing quite a bit of horror. <laughs> Haraman <laughs> himself and his where you find him and his, the location he's found in is also quite grim and horrific and mm-hmm. uh, really dark. So really, at the moment, all three are kind of balancing out uh, in terms of theme and tone. Although Avernus, they do have access to their infernal war machines, so the Mad Max is real. Um, <laughs> They, uh, yeah, that's a little more that can be a little more action packed when they're aboard those vehicles. Yeah, that's that is hard to. I, I found it when I was running Descent into Avernus. Um, even with all the awesome tools at your fingertips on a VTT, that's still hard to pull off unless you have a very willing to suspend disbelief group, uh, because of the movement of the vehicles and 
um, you know, a, a lot of it, I think, is atmosphere. You have to find yeah. the right track and, you know, the right sort of drum track. And, yeah. um, you know, I had a I had a Knowles on bikes, <laughs> Knowles on spike bikes. And I sort so, of added backtracks of cackling hyenas in the background so that it was just like a, they're they're coming before they start chucking their spears that explode in your car and stuff like that yeah. we just had yeah we just had nulls in um in avernus uh sorry not avernus icewind dale uh, mm-hmm. oh you cackling chasm yeah indeed nice. yeah. yeah so uh yeah i, I was did not that long ago researching yeah. the, the hyena sound effects and kind of going for that as well with the- Oh, that's real good. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That that's that immediately makes Knolls more frightening. Knolls are kind of a yep. very a very yeah, famous D and D monster, but the mm. minute you give them that cackle, it immediately makes them more frightening mm. because there's yeah. something about that sound that's Chaos. really primal and, and yes. it doesn't sound like any other animal really. Uh, it just sounds nasty. Yeah, so, really yeah. nasty that's, and, and that's... intelligent as well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, almost almost like reveling you know yeah. in whatever that they're yeah. doing is and and because they are by by canon creatures of slaughter right an orc an invading orc army for instance you can expect to have um some some brutish savagery but they're always they, they follow basic tactics you can surrender yeah. to them they might take you prisoner they might hold you for ransom they follow certain codes of conduct and in yeah. my homebrew worlds they're a very honor-based society um gnolls don't have that not at least not in the canon gnolls are they will like where they walk they scourge the land they will eat and reproduce and leave nothing behind but waste it's really cool as they as they move so i i've obviously never run like a gnoll army kind of based campaign but isolated incidents with gnolls you know if a scouting party or uh, like the cackling chasm in Icewind Dale, I think is a great one. I just, mm. I actually, I just ran that. It's so funny, Damien. I just ran that like two weeks ago with my Icewind Dale group, uh, which is a home group. And they, um, I, we had this epic thing where they actually talked to some of the gnolls and you know how, what the story is there. They were trying to depose one of the leaders and they started like just kicking the gnolls into the chasm, but because they were so hungry because of the lack of food up in the freezing dales, they just started cannibalizing each other. So they left to the sounds of several dozen as like fleshes be rent apart and stuff. So cool. Super cool. (laughs) My my players, um, they they have, uh, there's one player who is very, um, he's a, he's a fighter, but it could easily be a paladin. He has a very stern moral compass of his own making. Um, Mm. and, and, is very much of the mind of if this thing is dangerous to 10 towns and the local populace, then it goes. Um, and he's, he's got that. It's, it's an interesting one because not all of the players, That's everything. Yeah. Not, yeah, <laughs> right. not all, not all of the players have that same moral compass. Uh, mm. and it's, it's always fun going into, like you alluded to the story of Cacklin Chasm. I knew going into it that despite their attempts or at least their own, knowledge attempts to sort of hint that hey things aren't good here and if you're going to do something about it we're not going to stop you um i knew that this one particular character would probably see red anyway uh, mm-hmm. and so i was eagerly anticipating how that would go and whether anybody would pick up on on the knolls uh, sort of plight as it were and, and show any kind of sympathy mm-hmm. for them 
Um, but no, it, it did end in a, a pretty spectacular slaughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard to I... find sympathy for them, to be fair. It is. It's <laughs> yeah. very hard. Yeah. yeah. It is very yeah. hard. Even I, I, my normal go-to with anything is like, if I want to evoke sympathy and give it a child or, or have a child left behind. I well, all of our cub story last time. <laughs> oh, well, like you've got a story. Uh, to, to not, uh, talk too much on the subject again, Icewind Dale and that very same character. There is, um, if you, if anyone that's run it, no, there is a, a another type of dangerous animal out there in the Dale, uh, a Yeti. Um, and you can hmm. experience Yetis, uh, that have their own, uh, young in the game um, and, takes. and they did and that was the very first sort of major moral conflict that the characters had was how to deal with this this one particular youngster yeah. um, because they they battled the uh, the parent or one of them and and killed it no, knowing they knew the the young was there um mm. and they did try their best to sort of bring the situation down but it went south real quick um uh -huh. and yeah then they had this whole, like a good portion of that session ended in a, a discussion of like, what do we do here? And that same character was like, look, it's going to grow up and slaughter people. We kill it. We end it now. Uh, and everyone else was kind of like, no, we can't. And it, it really did become this deep moral quandary that hmm. still crops up in the game from time to time, even though it was quite early on. It's I, wish that, I wish my players had these deep moral quandaries. That way they wouldn't be adopting <laughs> intellect of ours. Yeah, right. It is interesting, isn't it, when you think about it? When you look at, like, society, look at the world. Well, look at nature, in fact, sorry. And you look at, like, sharks and crocodiles and all these creatures that can eat humans. You know, we don't... In the, in the real world, we're like, they're animals, you know? But mm. in D&D, &D, they're monsters. Yeah. Right. They would just, they would just be labeled as monsters. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. You know, you can't like, where does it, where does, where does that sort of like, from, cause obviously you've got beasts and you've got monsters in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. At what point does like, cause if it's, cause what gives a Yeti, what makes a Yeti evil if it's just eating what it needs to eat right. and survive? Just exactly. as a bear, just as a bear What is more than it's, you know, it's tag yeah. because it's labeled yeah. as a monstrosity instead of a beast. Does that necessarily mean it's non-negotiable? Yeah. You know, is it, exactly. is it purely... A creature of chaos does it and and yeah I, I think you you hit on a really good point because i have this quandary with my players and i'm sure james and, and damien you guys do as well all the time with um certain things that are expected to act one way and i like to turn tropes on their heads yeah and yeah, see yeah. what the players make of it you know mm. uh, oh yeah classic fight the owl bear here we go oh you didn't expect that it would have a cub what do you do with this cub now do you let it just die in the wild do you think it might rear itself to become a, an avenging owlbear or are you going to adopt it and turn it into a force of good um or not necessarily mm. just a force of your pure chaos <clears throat> the wayfinders my team players um <laughs> or or i i particularly like and i do this quite a fair bit with um fiends i particularly like devils because there's something very interesting to me in the little a little kernel of a story with devils that tells me these creatures exist because they're made that way. Devils yeah. don't have a choice. They are, they, they follow a code because they're lawful evil rather than chaotic evil like demons, but they don't get to make good choices. They don't get to pick the better path. Sure, if you want an NPC devil that breaks the mold of that, of course you can have that, right? You can have a devil who's certainly developed a conscience and and has a soul or whatever, right? Very Angelus, angel storyline in Buffy, if you will. 
Um, but what I love about it is that my players unequivocally will come across a fiend. The, ma- the majority of my players, not all of them, will come across a fiend and be like, you foul creature of the earth, you will, or of the, of the nine hells, you will die now. And, and then they, they turn it back on them and say, sure, but A, we're not actually doing anything of our own accord. We're just enabling mortals who want to make pacts with us. That's what's fascinating about devils, right? They yeah, really don't right. instigate much on their own. Sure, they try and tempt mortals into deals and often hold those mortals to the poor wording of their deals, mm. but they're exploiting the greed and mostly, right? That's the principal Absolutely. one, but the greed yeah. and the base primal instincts of mortals, of yep. humanoids. And I had this whole bit with um spoilers for descent into avernus but i have to talk about it you know about mahadi the rakshasa in that mm-hmm. in that game fascinating yeah him. nice i love that character i had a tangent i had a whole i recorded a whole version of prince ali from aladdin but it was mahadi i, oh, I remember you sending that to us in the, yeah <laughs> yeah i can't take credit excellent. for the idea but yeah, i didn't find any good recordings of it that i liked so i'm in my own Great. against the karaoke track um but <laughs> They were they hated him. They they loathed that they were trapped in this pact, not in this pact, but in this sort of tricky deal with him, where they had to sort of buy back their freedom from him. And he got to elicit favors from them. And then they were they got so mad they were like, Why? You know, we're gonna kill you. You you did this to us. You totally duped us and stuff. And he said, But only because you wanted things from me. Yeah, right. If you didn't want anything, I wouldn't have had any power to broker any deals with you. You know? <laughs> That's it, it's it's fascinating to me. Humanoids are the ones that really instigate the problems. And all yeah. of the descent into Avernus campaign, yes, it's about devils and and even some demons in there, but only because of what one human decided to do fifty years ago and a deal that he made in order to basically just save his own skin and get more power. So it yeah, calls it's, it's, it calls it's, to mind. Um, we talked about Dune earlier. It calls to mind a, a, a quote from Frank Herbert talking about writing that book and how he didn't believe in the the term that um, absolute power corrupts absolutely, but mm. rather that absolute power attracted the type of people that were corruptible. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it calls that to mind yeah. for sure. That yeah. those creatures are there to attract those types of people. And if those types of people didn't exist, then devils would have a pretty rough time of it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And as, and as we find out with our players, they're all very willing to make deals with devils. Yeah. Uh, oh, moment, yeah, yeah. Uh, moments notice awesome. if they think it'll be if they think it'll be helpful. Um and I find it so weird that my like players that I've run games for will be like, Yeah, I'll engage in a uh, a talking uh, session with a the devil and we'll hash something out. Uh but those town guards who caught us doing something illegal, oh we slaughtered those almost <laughs> immediately. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. Yeah, where are that's your lines like, drawn? Exactly. Yeah, right. So that's why I started putting like little hand-drawn pictures of the of the families of the town guards in all their pockets <laughs> and, and like little letters that they yeah. can they can find from their love, children. I love to do that because they'll inevitably, inevitably kill them and then search the bodies uh, as if they were playing a video game. Like, well, we need to loot the body. So what I we found? Love... You found a picture yeah, of a right. child. <laughs> yeah, there you, you go. <laughs> That, I do yeah, love to, to have that come back. I do love to have mm. the, when they make decisions, any players, um, it's happened to home players and, and uh, players. Whenever there's something they've done that they kind of might think, uh, especially inexperienced uh, gamers might think, 
who've especially if they've come from a video game background that hey we slaughter all these guys and we get the treasure mm-hmm. and we go and that that's that quest line, that's that's quest line done we've got the xp great yeah. but it's when you when you and things like the video game the witcher series did a great job of this is like blurring that line of like bringing it back and being like oh that thing we did that that group we slaughtered has just opened the floodgates to all this bad and that's kind of our fault um or like they had you know they, they weren't perhaps as as evil as we thought i had so mm. much fun with the icewind dale crew um they they went there's a castle in icewind dale um that is uh, occupied and um they went in and they tr- again they tried diplomacy and it fell apart quite quickly because again they they got it in their head that the group that had taken this castle were like super super evil and mm. spoiler alert they, they sort of are <laughs> but, <laughs> Very, a beautiful thing happened. The first enemy that sort of threw their sword out and tried to defend the castle that they faced died very, very quickly. They hit it mm. at a level where they were, they were powerful enough to kind of kill these guys pretty quickly. Mm. And what that did was the first person that struck them down went, oh, these guys aren't very powerful. Maybe mm. they aren't that bad. And so they sort of bled the line between mechanics and story and were like, wow. one shot at this guy who I was expecting to be this evil killer. Yeah. And then and I immediately jumped on that and made sure that every single person they came up against for the rest of that encounter, they had no idea whether they were actually making the right decision. That's a really memorable session for me because by the, by deep into that encounter, they, they were constantly questioning like, are we are we doing the right thing? Are we the bad guys? Did we just walk <laughs> this castle? Are we the baddies? Yeah, for no reason. Um, and I played. This is on the Knights of the Black Sword, right? Uh, that, yes. That yeah. in Kier Dinabal. Yeah. Yeah, and I played on it yeah. so hard for so long, and it wasn't until um, they they started taking some prisoners, and one of the prisoners who was was slightly more powerful mechanically uh, played up on the kind of oh please please you know, and was about to be taken prisoner and cast inflict wounds on the person that was about to cuff them. Ooh, and well, so it, they oh, were completely they were completely hoodwinked by it and that mm-hmm. it was a really great great kind of twist they went in thinking they were evil questioned it for the rest of the session up until they played evil back again and then they suddenly went oh finally phew <laughs> we well, did make the right decision uh yeah right. that was that was in that that's, vein that's, of, that's a lot of fun that yeah, has like a perfect yeah. circle resolution too yeah, and they're really like was. oh thank god this was one of the moments where we did the right thing yes um in that tangent, I have to share um, a very, very near and dear story to my heart because we gave this player no end of shit for the rest of the campaign. Um, my very high-level party, um, this was several months ago, were on their way to Candlekeep, if you're forget- familiar with the Forgotten Realms uh, setting. And at one point, they got to a point in the road where several men with some arms at their side uh, sort of blocked the road and started talking about collecting a toll. And so immediately my party assumed that they were brigands, right? And one of them, the warlock jumped out. He had just gotten his new eighth level spell, Maddening Darkness. And he centered it on this group of individuals. And if you know the spell Maddening Darkness, it basically blocks all their vision, but creates sounds and and images of terror in your mind while you're trapped in. And it deals you like ridiculous, like 12d6 psychic damage. I'm not sure if that's right. It's a great spell. It's a fantastic spell especially against commoners they weren't bandits they weren't brigands they were in fact the local town's 
um, I, 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 I think it was Pride Month. Um, so no, it wasn't. This wasn't this year. This was previous year. Yeah, I think it was Pride Month, and I had just gotten these new tokens that had that were all sort of like Pride-based characters. They had like little rainbow sashes and stuff, and those. That's what I was using, and I guess my players just didn't notice, and so they wiped out in one spell something like a dozen commoners that were there to sincerely try and repair the road, and were only carrying weapons because they themselves sometimes get targeted by bandits and wanted to be sure that they're safe. <laughs> and when, when the blackness of the spell cleared, there were these faces of twisted and horror and everything else. And when they got to Candlekeep, news reached Candlekeep of all these families wondering what had happened to, and all these, all these other people, <laughs> like what had happened to our, to those oh, men, this, this collective, this like, um, oh. the betterment for, I don't remember the name of the town, but like, let's call it the betterment for has fields society or whatever. Right. And they were, yeah. <laughs> and then immediately we, we, the, the rest of the party was like, they started harping on the warlock who did it. And we were, yeah, of course doing the, out of these bodies. Um, but not necessarily, kind of dealing with the consequences of that because by then you know they were on an epic quest to save the world the fates of a few commoners didn't really matter that much and i was always looking for a way to make that sort of come back to them and be like actually they were integral to the state of the world affairs and now that they're not there your mission becomes that much harder that sort of thing (laughs) i had a similar thing in our our home game um after they completed the tomb they had um, a staff of the sort of core villain of that game, who I won't mm. necessarily spoil here, um, but they had this staff, and there is an instance in which um, that staff can attempt to, in a way, corrupt the person that holds it, and can also detonate like a like a bomb. It can it can blow up, and it's a it's a series of Pretty dice cool. rolls that have to go wrong for that to happen, as well as a conscious decision to use the staff in in combat, and that all came to fruition. They were back in. Uh, uh, Port Nyanzaru, the sort of main city of, of Chult in that adventure. Um, and they were trying to solve deeper mysteries beyond the Tomb of Annihilation. And they were being attacked by a bone claw um, mm, under, under, the, under the stewardship of, of uh, the Red Wizards of Thay. Shout out to the D&D movie. And um, this one player who had this staff decided to use it. The dice went south and the staff exploded in the middle Ouch. of... A- in the middle of a built-up oh, no. area, uh, is it like a staff people. of power that that um, causes an astral plane portal to, or, or not an astral plane portal, um, but basically deals force damage and can teleport people away and things without like the that. teleporting? Yeah, it was just a sort of yeah. a, a straight just force explosion, bomb. Uh, and it went off in the middle Eesh. of a populated area. And of Ooh. course, it took out a, a large number of, of commoners. It also they ended up defeating the the, the villains they were facing. And um, then the township started showing back up after the explosion, and the only people left standing, and the only people who were able to witness the encounter, it was that guy. He blew, he blew oh, the no. place up. And, and <laughs> my, uh, players were, my players were so angry at me for so long because they, they, they ended up fleeing the town. Um, yeah in, in yeah. fear of the repercussions. And, and they were saying like, oh, you, you made us flee, you made us flee. And I was like, I, I really didn't. 
I was like, at no point did you have, you could have gone and faced the consequences. You could have spoken, tried right. to convince them of what happened. Sure. You, sure. you panicked and fled, which mm. in the real world, it happens all the time. You know, people yeah. who cause accidents make it way worse for themselves by not owning up to the accident. And that's exactly what happened. And it, it still, it still lingers with them today, that explosion. And then. Yeah. James, you're bursting at the seams. You're like at the edge of your seat. Please, I'm excited to hear this. (laughs) Uh, I had a very similar thing. I gave my players a magic item that absorbed the damage of every spell uh, that was cast against them. Straight up. Straight up, just absorbed the damage. Every time I rolled for the damage, recorded it. Like Even group uh, (laughs) spell effects like fireball, if they were hit by a fireball, record that damage. It didn't wow. do anything to them. The amulet they had absorbed it. Um, oh, no. And they were like, this is an incredible magical item. I'm never taking damage from spells. Um, well, they didn't know it was a cursed item. Um, and as as soon as you took it off, all the damage that had accumulated. <gasps> oh, <laughs> no! Basically, a oh, nuke. They did not take it off for a, a very, very long time. Um Oh, how much um, damage do you remember the number? It was it was over a thousand, like it was in the thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! So not only so the what happened was they only hit two members of the party, luckily because they were going to switch. So they were like, mm-hmm. I think they were reti- I think they were retiring the character. So they were like, well, I'm going to go away. My character's going to retire. They've got some personal stuff they need to do. Here, have this amulet. And oh, oh, the amulet off oh no! To pass it over. I bet it. you were like. I bet you were like. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sit, sitting there, trying not to show anything on my face. Like, uh, no, yeah, of course, yeah. It's a. It'll be a wonderful gift, and it'll be really useful to them. Um, of course. Oh man. Even even at half damage, that in yeah would have completely instead just so never just, so just, never checking it the entire time for curses or or anything uh, or thinking and it thinking that there could be any downside to this ridiculously overpowered overpowered item, item. no yeah, damage right. from spells did it, did, um, it, did, it, did it kill yeah. the whole did you kill the whole party then the whole party oh killed. no just right. just the two closest the others had gone off to a different part of the city but they were in a very big city so they right. eliminated like <sighs> blocks of this oh. city the oh, so it expanded outward. So it wasn't yeah. just to that one character. It was like a bomb, also. Oh, oh yeah. no! Wow. I'm interested to know. Any obviously, as time went on, was there any part of you that was either were tempted to try and lead them to the discovery, or to kind of bring down what the eventual damage would be? Were you at any point ever tempted? Because knowing how much of an impact that was going to have, and sitting on that secret for so long. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, there were a number of times where they were in combat and I was like, they're taking a lot of spell damage. Like like and they're they're getting it more, they're being targeted. Like maybe you'd want to like chuck them your your necklace and just like leaving it and stuff like that, just like throw away comments. Um and obviously it was such a nice item they thought that they were like, No, mine, my precious. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, keeping no, this is mine. I'm Screw you, you're this. It. Yeah. Um, oh, so I, it was it was a long game, and I did think wow. about reducing the damage, but it got to such a ridiculous point where I was like, "Well, what what's the point? Yeah. This this yeah. will just have to play out how it's going to play out." Yeah, um, I, I had something so similar. Not... That they were like, that I figured yeah. 
barely enjoy this. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so insane. Wow. Uh, I had so... something similar, but it wasn't damage-based. It was this NPC that they actually met in Icewind Dale very, very towards the end of the adventure, and it was kind of like an optional, optional module that um, I got from somewhere else. And they meet this NPC who's been living in an abandoned city forever, and she's wearing a crown but should she ever take off the crown she all her years would catch up to her so it was similar in that like if you remove the magic item everything that you've been sort of delaying up until now will affect you instantly and they didn't the the one aspect of this though that they they that is part of the item that was cursed was that they couldn't talk about it to anybody else they couldn't tell them what the crown does it was they could talk about the name and they could talk about the regular effect that it gives it makes you immortal but they can't mention the fact that once it's removed you die even though they knew about it and that's what made it a lot of fun um so they had this <laughs> um npc who was who had been living there for thousands of years and they asked her how are you still alive in the city of the dead effectively in the city that's been entombed for this long and uh she said well it's this crown it gives me eternal life and immediately my players are like we want this we want this crown we're gonna take this crown and when they removed it from her i described it as that scene from the end of indiana jones yeah and the last crusade where the man instantly withers after drinking the (laughs) yeah just and suddenly coming all emaciated and (laughs) shriveling up into a husk and turning to dust freaks me out so much very dorian gray-esque sort of thing oh i love i love that bit that's such a great great cinematic moment (laughs) thank you Mm. thank you indiana jones for giving us that (laughs) um but yeah yeah that's it's a lot of fun you can have with cursed magic items man (laughs) Mm. and icewind dale damien how are you getting on with with the, the folks you're playing with that uh, yeah, great. I, I've mentioned a couple of kind of key instances already. It's it's a really fun setting. It's a little more open world than some of the modules, or it can certainly be played that mm-hmm. way, given that there are these 10 unique towns um, that, that you can deal with and kind of intersperse between them, even before going beyond the borders out into the Dale proper and experiencing all the joys that has. Um, and then, of course, the, the following the main module as well, you, you could very easily play this one for years and years if you keep funneling your own content into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I think even the book states that you can just use it as a base for your own stories yeah. and ignore the Frost Maiden kind of quest yeah. line. Um, yeah. It's fun because I, 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 another one I instantly bought. They, they used a series of words that instantly had my hand on my wallet ready to buy the book when they <laughs> said that they had been inspired by things like John Carpenter's The Thing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. stories like That's that, which one. is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, oh. And great yeah, film. yeah, and um, I can't watch it. I just can't watch it. <laughs> it's great. I, I love. I it's love. Getting, getting I love the feeling cons- you're not into body cons- horror, Rob. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I, I love. I absolutely love the concept. I love the mm-hmm. story. I think it's brilliant. But as soon as that first, as soon as you, the first time you see that dog, I just, I'm just like, I just, oh I, yeah, you know, great I, dog actor. Just can't, oh, <laughs> yeah, I just, really I just good can't, dog actor. I just can't deal with it. It's just, it's just too, it's just Very too method. grotesque for me. It's just, it's too like, oh god, yeah. I just, yeah. but I love, but I love the story. I think the story is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so that setting, uh, it does play a little bit like that with the paranoia and things. It's great fun to the the idea of the being that winter has has continued way past 
as long as it should have done in the setting. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's it, not just cold as it would be, but it's it's even colder and getting perhaps even colder mm. as time goes on. And that way people out in the streets cannot afford to wear anything but full body furs, hoods, masks, the whole deal to, mm. to stop from at all times. freezing at all times. Mm. So when you're out in the street, at no point can you really tell who anybody is. Yep. Um, save for height, you might be able to pick a, a child or a halfling or you know somebody yeah. of a, a more mm. large size. But other than that, there is no way to know who anybody is. Um, and and playing that, especially early doors where the, where the adventurers are sort of still unknowns. That's another trope I love to play with is the idea that townships aren't necessarily going to welcome you as their saviors. Yeah. Adventurers can be a problem that you know they they can yeah. draw a whole lot of negative attention. They're doing it totally. a lot of times for treasure and quote unquote experience, um, <laughs> and some groups will very much ignore the the sort of moral compasses of of being in a town and and playing by those rules, whereas others will play very deeply into them. But even still, it, I love to play with the idea that the township can be very nervous of a group of very strange looking individuals who are armed to the teeth, walking mm. around solving problems it's it's kind of yep. the ghostbusters 2-esque-ness of it yeah or, or even <laughs> even the first ghostbusters where it's like are you guys actually causing these problems and just solving them for money yeah um, right love that idea yeah it's so good yeah. i tell you what ghostbusters 2 in terms of story structure one of the best story structure films i've ever seen it's a very underrated it, movie it gets a lot it of is. hate it gets a lot it, of hate and i have no idea why it's the story starts as soon as the opening credits as soon as, as soon as it opens it starts it's like there's the slime there's the baby this is the situation bam you're in the story straight away it's a great story i've actually got vigo on my wall over here actually looking at me amazing i've got some very expensive <laughs> japanese in there he is. Ghostbuster him. figures Oh, oh yeah, look at Vigo that. Yeah, there he there is. is. He's Vigo. watching you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry for the mess. <laughs> I need that. Yeah, I've got some very expensive um, Japanese import uh, six-scale Ghostbusters that cost a fortune. Oh, that wow. I think I posted in one of the groups a while back. They're gorgeous. Oh, God, you did, yeah. Yeah, yeah really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I haven't seen this film since I was a kid. i got to go back and rewatch. Oh, it. Really yeah, it's, it's, it's really brave. It's really brave because it came out so long after the original one. They yeah. played up mm -hmm. on that idea that it had been a long time and the Ghostbusters yeah. had been forgotten. Um, hi, everyone. Oh, wow. Welcome to the Ghostbusters podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it, it was kind of ahead of its time, I think, that they, yeah, it, they even like the kids, they, they go to the party in a great scene at the beginning where they're like, how many are there? And they're like, oh, about 12. And they're like, oh, and it playing on the idea that they're going to go to this house full of ghosts and they walk into the room and they're at a birthday party uh, as, yeah. like, <laughs> as, as like it's, celebrity it's guests. It is, it is. It is and the kids brilliant. are all shouting, boo, he-man, he-man. And like yeah. the idea that the Ghostbusters are a franchise in their own world yeah. is fascinating to me. And I, I wish some of the later sequels had, had played up on that even more. The idea of like rogue entities kind of, Mm. trying to set up their own franchises and right. and like people having to follow on the franchise of ghostbusters mm. in a name that was long since forgotten i really Is there like a ghostbusters like... rpg because i feel like there should be at least i don't know of one and my goodness would i love there to be one apparently yeah. apparently the, 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 to buy the intellectual property it's not actually that expensive 
It's probably really? one of the one of, one of the cheapest ones you can like you can buy as a passion. So what yeah. I'm hearing is Roll Dark is starting to branch out into some new ventures. Uh, Why the hell not? Let's do it. We need a few oh, more pictures. Yes. Please, please, can somebody do Mass Effect? Don't don't please. talk to me about Mass Effect. Yeah, I'm good. I would be I, we yeah. we would need another hour on yeah. this podcast. There's a Fallout RPG. There's a Dragon Age RPG. Yeah, there is. Fallout. How is there not a Mass Effect? There is a conversion for 5e. There is a Mass Effect. There's a website that I looked into a long time ago. But that, uh, mm, mm, I could talk about it forever. I really could. It's one of the most well organized, well, most beautiful stories in video games ever told. Rob, have you played this series? No, I do you know I haven't. <gasps> you know, I had uh, what, what, when I used to live with one of my one of my old my old pals, uh, my my mate Daniel. He um, he bought it for our Xbox that we had in our house, and he played it. And literally, like we had, basically he would he would work like um, he'd work like night shifts, and I'd work day shifts. And sometimes, like we would see each other during that like transition, mm. and he would just like grab me by the shoulders and be like, "Rob, you've got to play Mass Effect. You've got to play Mass Effect. <laughs> you've got to play it." And I'd be like, "Oh, get right to it. I'll get right to it. I'll get right to it." He's like, "No, uh... like, no, just play it. I've got I've bought it for our Xbox. You can play it. Play it, please." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get right to it. I'll get right to it. Never yeah. have." Never played it. I think the problem I've got is that whenever someone like really like set, like tries to like push something on me, the I'm expectations like, become too high. Yeah, right. then I'm just and then I'm just yeah. like, am I actually going to enjoy this? So I had All that right. with Elite Dangerous. My brother was like, you got to play Elite oh, Dangerous. Yeah. Amazing. I played it for about you know like a week and I just got bored. I was like, okay, yeah. so I've bought some fuel and I'm selling it in this place. I'm selling it there. I was like, oh, this is just. I was like, where's the cheat code? Just want to get some money to like buy some <laughs> spaceship. He's like, no. Mm. Yeah. Well, in that case, let me just say, eh, Mass Effect, you know, check it out if you want, I guess. Okay, cool. Go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I actually got a really no, great I piece think... of world building advice from Casey Hudson, who worked on the original. Um, Ooh, okay. I didn't speak to him. I'm making it sound oh. like I spoke to him. I didn't. Yeah, you did. But, um... <laughs> we had him over <laughs> for tea. Lie through your teeth. Say you were there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watching a, watching an check. interview with him, he talked about setting that world up and starting from scratch with a brand new sci-fi franchise starting with the basic questions of can we travel faster than light are mm -hmm. there is there intelligent ai self-aware ai is there time travel are there lasers because mm. each what every single time you answer one of those questions yes or no it has a massive fundamental impact on how that yep. story will play out absolutely um, yeah, sure and, and ever since when i've been writing campaign ideas i've done that very same thing i've gone to the very basic questions of mm. what races are here where does it mm. take place you know what and even the GM, the DM's guide does a, a good job of trying to set you up with this as well, deciding what level of magic there is and how the gods work and stuff. Yeah. But taking that same idea and answering just the very fundamental questions first, because it'll have such a ripple effect. Yep. You, you add, you know, time travel to any sci-fi series that doesn't have it, Star Wars, for example, and all of a sudden yeah. it will massively change how that plays out. It kind of does have it. Was it do it? Bet, yeah. Does it? Not fundamentally. Not fundamentally. No. It does. Time time but it, but it's in the, it's in the it's in the lore in the deep lore. Yeah. Uh, I just I'm I'm over Star Wars. I'm so over it now. I just that, <laughs> that, that last that last that last um the one in the trilogy the last one that they brought out was just an absolute pile of dog shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Which one? We don't God. talk about that either. The Rise of um, Skywalker. I was just like, oh, what huh? is this? What, what? I don't I remember this movie. This wasn't I, real. It, it wasn't great. But I'm excited to see what they do because they're continuing Ray's story, and I really like the character. Are they really? I, I thought Ray was yeah. great. Honestly, okay. I, I really liked Seven. I liked the. the I did. Um, the intro. I didn't even. I quite liked Eight. 
which is a very unpopular opinion, but yeah. I really like it. Depends. I, don't, I, 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 think, don't, I think a I, lot of people are coming back to 8 and being like, oh, actually, this was a lot of fun. And yeah, mm-hmm. it did a couple of weird things, but overall, it was trying to be a very unique story in a, in a very mm-hmm. established world. And 7 did have a, a bit of those problems. The, the things that they did new, they did very well. The new characters, mm. excellent. Um, the things that they recycled, like, oh, this is a Death Star, but it's 30% bigger. And I'm like, oh, come on. Mm. Um, but then 8 spent a lot of its energy. This is my personal opinion. At me all you want. Let's go. I can handle it. Um, 8, I think, spent a lot of time trying to show that it didn't need to be that formula. Yeah. And then, and, and in the process, a lot of the story ended up getting a little hurt because it spent too much time trying to break the formula. It just, it didn't have enough time to be what it really needed to be. And then nine came around and spent all of its time trying to undo eight scene by scene. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, you realize that, right? Not like when, when Ray throws her lightsaber in nine and Luke catches it and he, and he says that line that's like, um, you should be more respectful of a Jedi's weapon. It was a direct yeah. counter to the beginning scene of eight. Um, and every there's so many examples of this where they were trying to just undo everything that eight had done scene by scene, frame by freaking frame. And then yeah. they just went back and barely tacked <clears throat> on old recycled plot from it. Oh, reactive, oh, reactive storytelling. Very yeah. reactive. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I think I, th- I think they did a really disservice to Finn's character. I think Finn's they character did. was like was they like they, they, they set they him did. up as like I, the trailer made me think he was a Jedi that he was that he was like he was hearing the force he was hearing the calling to the force and that him and Ray were going to both going to become Jedi's and that Luke Skywalker like they they really missed out on Luke they should have really thought about his character and been like right you know you got Luke you know he was a hero in the he's a hero of like the rebellion he was the guy that saved everyone and then what he just gives up because he's like you know tries to train someone and just fails it's like it's like mm. no 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 they should have had him looking for force sensitives for the yeah. last 30 years and he couldn't find them anywhere they just it just it just couldn't find them and he, maybe he lost hope of the jedi he's like he's like am i the only one that could be a jedi like, that would have been amazing would have been amazing yeah. and then all of a sudden finn and ray are like force sensitives and he's got to try and find them like suddenly he like he like realizes that he's, there's these two force sensitive people that he needs to fight oh they just they just they just there's there's a myriad of you know and then Ky- kylo ren could have been someone who was like who doesn't have the force but wants the force really badly mm, and he's obsessed with cool. darth vader and he's like and he's like he's got a lightsaber and he doesn't have the force and it's like scenes of him trying to do the force and then maybe at the very at the very at the end of the very first episode he tries it and then like he gets it and it's like that's the end like that's been brilliant yeah like, oh, oh, been oh it's so good um I spent I, many many a night thinking about this. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, listen, actually, I would watch that. I would watch that trilogy. Um, but going back to Mass Effect really quick, I have to get this word in. I think when Mass the playing the series, and Rob, please, um, <clears throat> you know, just check it out, I guess. Whatever. I will. Um, I will. <laughs> whatever. I promise but I will. If it's I on the Steam Deck, that I, I really... I think something that 2, and, and, and by consequence, eventually 3, really did really well, was it taught me as a DM how to have this epic narrative of this world-threatening problem and then have these as a sort of background and still very much an ongoing issue, um, but also have a lot of attention and focus on player stories. You remember all those individual squad missions yeah. you had to do with your character, with your with your teammates? 
that taught me, hey, D&D is a game like any other where personal stories are the most important. Everybody wants to play their character. It doesn't really matter what campaign they're signing up for, right? As long as they know that they're mm. going to get a lot of attention to their character, they can be in the Shadowfell, they could be in Waterdeep, they could be in in Hell, and it doesn't matter because they just want their characters' backstories to develop. They want them to do something epic. Maybe they want to go through something tragic and more nuanced. But whatever it is, that that's the real meat of any good story is what the characters are doing. And as DMs, because we're not writing books, we're telling, we're co-telling adventures. I think it's a big responsibility on all of us to make sure that even with large groups and with a very well-structured module that tells us exactly what the big moments are in each adventure, and you have to hit those to take mm. some time, take a slice of life to look at the characters and help them progress and help them feel like their stories are being told and being written as we play. We had yeah, a beautiful instance of this that I can add just here about specifically about Avernus, where one of the characters is a bard who has been introducing the group with their own moniker that, that this one particular bard has invented for the group. And they've been kind of forcing it down the throats of not only the group, but the NPCs that they meet. And they do have a legitimate reason for doing it. And all of the other members of the group have been a little resistant to that name kind of just sort of like passing off what's, as a joke initially and then slowly what's starting the name damien tell us it is uh shout out triscuit's troop triscuit's troop and that's the bard named triscuit, triscuit is the bard mm -hmm. and so <laughs> over time the group has become more and more suspicious of this and more and more kind of frustrated by it and speaking of mahadi they they were in mm. uh, the emporium having a, a beautiful meal <laughs> and as they were waiting for their meal this is when the other players decided to bring this up to start actually saying hey it's about time we talked about this name thing and it's one of those great dm moments where you just sit back and watch the yep. players uh -huh. just open up and the they best. they all had their own legitimate reasons some of them very personal reasons why they didn't want to be labeled like that or at least without any consent it became this incredible kind of back and forth with, at least from my end, the knowledge that both sides of the argument had reasons and merit and that they really were probably never going to come to a true truce on it. Um, and beautifully, coincidentally enough, the, the player uh, who's playing Triskith had to take a break from the next session. And so we prearranged that they would disappear for a short while of time after this session. So after having this beautiful role-play moment of discussing the, the merits of this name and why they, many of them just don't agree with it, and this bard desperately trying to convince them to just keep it up, mm. they headed up to uh, a, a sort of a mini stage corner of the room and played, and I think they rolled like a 20, like they rolled like a really high number on their performance check and played this beautiful melancholy tale and then instead of returning to the table, when the tensions were up here in the group, they turned and left the establishment. Um, oh. And the group had no idea where they were going um, and also knew that uh, the, the player wouldn't be returning for a, a, at least a session. And so it was this beautiful sort of amalgamation of story mechanics and, and real life that real really life happening yeah great yeah, yeah, moment where they just turned and left the establishment when the tensions oh. had hit maximum 
um it was great super oh, wow. super that fun. sounds so cool that's yeah. a that's a that's a pretty great story and also a great story to um i think kind of wrap things up there actually yeah. guys yeah yeah so yeah, um definitely. yeah thank you so much to both my co-hosts to james and jc and uh also of course to our special guest damien oh, thank Ooh. you really great a, a joy and a pleasure yeah really great to have you on the show man and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe follow and download so until next week dear listeners cherish every friendship forged savor the stories you've shared and let the magic of the tabletop guide you on your own extraordinary quests goodbye everybody goodbye, goodbye. goodbye.